Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Nigga. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they will see the thunder? Just remember when you come to the show. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA TFS Podcast, previewing the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, another three-golf course event, another just Pro-Am member after Pro-Am member, long days, long, uh, long, long DK times. But uh, we'll recap this past week's action at the Waste Management Open. Before we get to that, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing, man? Doing good, dude. Uh I'm not super excited about this week just because uh, I'll, I'll talk about it here in a little bit, but uh, we're here. So let's uh, let's get into it. How are you? I'm doing well, battling a little bit of a, a throat cold, like cough thing. So I apologize to anybody if I sound a little rough this week, but uh, we're battling through that. Other than that, life is good. My life is good. Bumped into some people at the waste management. It was a good time out there. Uh, friendly people. Uh, no problems with that at all. But uh, other than Yeah, that, you went to 16, right? Yep, yep. I, I didn't, you know, no private suites here because I'm not a mooch, but I was, uh, I walked in and, and got my seat for a little bit there in the morning. And after about two hours there, I went and watched and checked out the rest of the course. It was quite the experience. So I have to say, quite the experience. Well, good, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got to do that. It's, it looked like a good time. It was um, awesome. It was awesome. I go to Pebble every year and we'll talk about that soon. Waste management, Blue Pebble, the pro am out of the water. Like just the atmosphere. The fan experience, not just because of the boozy and like I was sipping on beers, I wasn't getting slashed like a bunch of people were, but just the the way it's set up, it, it was a very fan friendly, very cool experience. I was very impressed with the waste management. It was it was well done. I recommend any golf fan go check that one out. I wouldn't go on Saturday. That uh, everyone I talked to, the the grounds crew guys, everybody, just pure mayhem. But Thursday, Friday, perfect. Like Friday was awesome. Like I we didn't have to even run. Like I said, we got there about. Eight o'clock. We got got there before the lines got too bad. Walked right in and got a seat. So, uh, not too bad. A good deal. But uh, other than that, the um, Fino. Let's just let's talk about Fino first, Jesse. This was uh, I kept almost texting you and I kept going, "No, I'm not going to do it till it's over. I'm not going to do it till it's over." And then I'm glad I didn't because Fino did it again. Sixth runner-up finish. Just couldn't get it done. It was a very frustrating Sunday in the Tony Finau fan club. What's your thoughts on Finau, man? Yeah, well, let's first of all, let's rewind back to what I said last week, and it just continuously went through my mind for the last two days after he shot 62 on Saturday and the fact that I said that I was done basically playing him. Um, to me, it's it the, the course suits him just fine, uh, and I really couldn't understand why he never had any success here, but you know, I went completely off course history last week and completely faded him. But man, Sunday, it was just like he was just. You, it was wasn't the same guy I played golf Saturday, and I know you don't have the same game every day, you know. But you could tell that the nerves were there, and I can't blame him. I mean, it's a huge stage; it would be a massive win. Be you know his first one since. I mean, he really never won anything huge. The Puerto Rico Open, okay, it's a PJ Tour win, but. In reality, let's 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 put this in perspective. It's a secondary event, right? So, yeah, man. I mean, I, I wish that he came out with 
you know, a little bit more, uh, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess less nervy and just firing at pins. Um, it seemed to me like he was kind of playing tentative and, uh, especially down there, you know, coming in, in the last few holes, it, you could just, you could really see it when he hit that. I mean, he had a really, he had a pretty good drive on, on 17, didn't 18. catch all of it. Well, 17, first of all, he had a three-wood on 17. three-wood, yeah. Yeah, and it looked, it looked, it was right on line and, and either skied it or just didn't catch it all or something and gets in that bunker and then he just throws it out middle front of the green and, and two putts and takes his par. And when, when you know for a fact that Webb's pretty much going to birdie that hole, he's on the green, he's going to two putt. To me, you got to be a little bit more aggressive there, but it's also, a, a it's not an easy shot. I get that too. And then, you know, he, he had a putt to win it on 18 and then, you know, of course, Webb, I mean, shit, you got to give up to Webb. The mm-hmm. the thing with Webb is, I don't know if you, I'm sure you were watching the end of it. It To me, whenever he made that putt on 18, the second time in the playoff, he yeah. looked like his heart was broken. Did he you felt, see the look on his face? For Fino. He yeah. felt bad for Fino. You can see the hug, the hug they had. Like you could tell he was like, oh, yeah. damn. I mean, like when he made that putt, it was almost like, fuck. You know, like I didn't really want to make that the kind of thing. Obviously, he's playing to win. You know, he's out there to 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 make money and 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 do things. So you know, obviously, you can't blame the guy for making the putt. It's it's what he's supposed to do. But it you could just tell like his face was like, you know, shit. Like I wish this was a different type of scenario. Um, yeah. So I mean, the good the good news is Tony played on really good on a golf course that he traditionally has not played well at. Uh, the bad news is he just, you know, only shot one under, he needed two under to win the whole thing and just fell one, basically one shot short. So, but you know, you gotta give hats off to Webb, three straight birdies to finish it out. The dude. Yeah. The the Sunday scare, the Sunday scare has got him good. He, uh, you know, didn't even, I think he was one over on the front, a little bit on the back. Uh, he said that three went off at 17, in hindsight, if he hits it right, it probably is up there on the fringe. He can two putt for birdie. This isn't even in question, but he skied it, found the bunker somehow. It shocked everybody. It was like if you're up two with two to go, you think you can play it smart, and he did. Webb just played it great. Webb played phenomenal down the stretch. When it looked right. like Webb was out of it when he found the drink on that par five, um, and it looked like it was Tony's Tony's to lose, and kind of was unfortunately. But uh, one of these days he'll get it. It was good to see him play well. At a track he doesn't play at, that's for darn sure. But uh, Webb, Webb's played well at this course. He's played well, period. Over like of late, really, really played good golf. Um, as a guy that doesn't hit it far like myself, I love seeing him um, play with these big boys. I think he's up to sixth in the world now, or something. And seven, he's, I he would be a seven. Okay, I believe he'd be in the um, the U.S. Olympic team. I believe he's in the top four in that, at least, if I saw correctly. And that says a lot for a world with all these big hitters. Webb's getting done with a short game, and it's it's good to see that it's not out of reach for everybody. But like those 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 was a three wood. Some they were saying five wood on eighteen. I thought it was a three wood. He was hitting off the tee, but those were beautiful shots, just smart shots right in the fairway. When we were sitting there on uh, Friday watching guys, I was I was sitting by seventeen. You could see the eighteen tee box, and you could see where they were landing. So many guys are finding the bunkers, like rolling through the fairways. And the whole time Tony's hitting, I'm like, please just don't find the bunker. Please don't find the bunker. He hits a beautiful drive, and then Webb just does his thing. So yeah. it was good to see for those two. Uh, Bubba played great. That was that was another big big week for Bubba. Jordan Spieth missed cut. Uh, JT finished strong. 
overall, it was a lot of ups and downs. Some really good, like our but our buddy our our boy Hubbard came through uh, this week and after some slow starts. That was a good call by you last week. Yeah, thank you. Uh, up and down week overall, but um, any final thoughts on the waste management? I thought it was a fun tournament. It, it never ceases to fail. A nice dramatic ending on Sunday going into the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. It was it was it led right into it basically. Like as soon as over, turned to the Super Bowl and that little kid's running on the field. So yeah. it worked out perfectly. Um, I will say there are so many strategically based placed bunkers on that golf course mm-hmm. where you have to be good out of the sand. So just for future reference, if you want to make notes about next year, you know, guys who are able to, you know, play out of the sand are at an advantage there because I mean, just about everybody was in the sand at some point. Mm-hmm. No, it's so. a good call. A lot of guys were, especially out of the fairway. Even top it off, yeah, that's what I'm saying. like off the drive, yeah. yeah. A lot of guys were because they dog legged, and if you if you didn't hit the dog leg, went straight, you're going to the fairway. So, very good point. Looking into next season, but let's head into Pebble Beach this week in 2020. AT T Pebble Beach Pro Am played on three courses, like we talked about. It's going to be a doozy. Uh, what do you got for past event history? Yeah, so three different golf courses. Uh, you'll talk about those shortly, but basically they've played all of these three same golf courses since 2010. Um, it's been the three rotation or whatever. Anyways, long story short, last week, last year, Phil Mickelson was your champion. He's actually won this event five times uh, and somehow is now priced in the 9,000s on DraftKings. Um, he shot 19 under, three shots over Paul Casey last year. 2018, Ted Potter Jr. year. Um, if you remember this, uh, he was in the final group with like DJ and maybe Chez or Phil and uh, everybody and their mother bet bet DJ to win prior and uh, Ted Potter Jr. just basically gave him all the finger and won by three shots um, over Jason Day, DJ, uh, Phil, and Chez uh, in 2018. 2017, Jordan Spieth was a champion, 19 under par, four shots over Kelly Craft. 2016, Vaughn Taylor, 17 under, one shot over Phil Mickelson. Uh, Brent Snedeker's won this golf tournament twice. DJ has actually won this golf tournament twice as well. Um, and then obviously they've played some, uh, us opens here, but they only play that at Pebble beach. Whereas this tournament is a three day pro-am grind over three different golf courses. And it is the nut low of CBS coverage for the whole entire year. Keep that in mind. Yeah. It's a really, really bad week. It's 156 golfers, three courses, most rounds take about seven hours because of the pro-am partners, the celebrities that they're with. It's entertaining in that respect, but from a DFS viewpoint or some other just fan likes PGA viewpoint, not so much. So it's going to be a rough one. You mentioned the three courses, Monterey Peninsula, par 71, 6,958 yards. Uh, it's cool because there's four par fives. Usually on a par 71, there's only three. So there's four par fives, three par threes. Lots of bunkers on the course, which you'll see in all these courses. Um, uh, the biggest of the greens, about 7,000 uh, square feet. So very large landing spots, very friendly golf course. Out of the three courses, this is where you're going to score the most. There is uh, like half of the course is inland, half the course is on the ocean. It's a, it's a beautiful venue and a lot of easy scoring. Like you want eagles on the on the par fives. It's a birdie making paradise. You'll see a lot of guys go low here. So. You guys play an NPC, big thing for you there. If you're if you're playing these showdown slates, you like some NPC on you. Uh, Spyglass, par 72, 6,953 yards. 
Uh, smaller greens, about 5,000 square feet. All of these are POA. We know the story with POA. We talked a few weeks ago. In the morning, yeah, they're, they're, they're wet, but they're, they're flat. They grow quick. They get bumpier as the day goes on. Things to think about there with POA. Um, 660 bunkers strategically placed on this course, the, the fewest out of the three courses. Uh, Monterey Peninsula and Pebble have a lot of them around the greens and in the fairways. Um, Spyglass does a lot of uh, strategic placements, so it makes you dictate your uh, your tee shot quite a bit. Uh, three holes with water in play, but you got to really screw it up to find water there. Really tree-lined, really uh, hilly, like elevations, high to low, low to high type stuff. If it gets windy, which is always the, the defense on these three courses, uh, Spyglass will be the the most protected by the wind. So you want your guys on those courses during those days. And then Pebble Beach. Everybody knows Pebble Beach. It's par 72, 70, or 6,816 yards. Not too long at all. Very, very gettable. Some of the smallest greens you'll have, like 3,500 square feet. The average on tour is about 7,500. So very, very small. Lots of bunkers. You don't want to get short game if you're not hitting the greens. But not super long. You can set up a good wedge game in, short iron game. That's a second shot golf course, which most all three of these really are. So I'm not going to go like into the super, super specifics here. It's just a matter of if you, if these guys can drive it pretty good and set up a nice, you know, approach game in, which most of these, like three woods are going to be just fine out, out here. A lot of less than driver holes. Um, that's why when Jesse was talking about past winners here, you heard the Vaughn Taylors, the Sneds, the, the Potters, but then you also heard the DJs. It's a little bit of everything. Like the rust's not going to be crazy. It's not going to be super penal. Only one course really has a ton of trees come into play. The biggest defense on these courses is the wind. For those at the Open last year, I remember complaining because it wasn't that challenging. Well, it didn't get windy. The weather at this time of year is usually different. Um, it's going to be about highs in the in the 50s, maybe low 60s, but for the most part, like 55 to 59 degrees. Winds from 5 to 10 miles an hour, so it's really not going to be that bad when it comes to wind, but it's not going to be super warm either. So it won't the ball won't travel as well because it'll be wet with some marine moisture in the air. So it's a very gettable golf course. You mentioned the scores. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is par five scoring birdie or better POA putting. I take that. I look at that quite a bit at these courses. What kind of stats are you looking at this week? Yeah, a lot of similar stuff. Um, you know, good approach game here is obviously a gigantic key. If you look at like Ted Potter and, uh, Jordan Spieth, whenever he was, playing well back in 2017 uh phil mickelson traditionally you know they have good short games as far as wedges and short irons um so greens and regulation uh, i think driving distance does matter here scrambling so much course history i think course history is huge to wait this week and then you know the scores get almost to the 20s uh under par for the winning score so birdie or better is is the route to look at and then like you said poa um i mean it it, it matters because and you're just talking about West Coast POA too. That's the kind of thing you got to, you got to, there's a difference between West Coast and East Coast POA. Anyways, long story short on it, there's a lot of different routes to take, but, um, you know, it, it's hard. It, this is difficult. I was just looking back at, you know, Phil's uh, uh, coming in. He came in last year off a of miscut at the Phoenix Open. Um, he did have a second place finish the week before that. And then, of course, Ted Potter Jr. just fucking came completely out of nowhere. So the last couple of years, it's kind of been some guys who the form hasn't been the greatest, but they've just found it over a four-day stretch, which, you know, is what happens quite often when people win golf tournaments out of nowhere. Yep, got to stay hot. Uh, Phil coming off a third-place finish in at um, Saudi Arabia, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. DJ finished second over there. Graham McDowell off the W. 
So we'll see how that travels to the U.S. to the West Coast. It's quite a plane ride they just had on their little private jets. So must have been a tough one. Uh, let's talk about FanshareSports.com. Use promo code ALWAYSPRESS to get a 20 off discount of the package of your choice. Current form, last six events on tour with DraftKings scoring. Patrick Cantlay averaging almost 94 DK points. Second place is averaging 82. So Cantlay, big ups on the field. But you got Norin, Hadwin, Patty Perez, um, Casey, McNeely, Vaughn Taylor, Kevin Na, Cam Champ, and Russell Knox. A lot, not a lot of big hitters there. If you think about the names, there are a lot of good approach players in that mix. Uh, last six events on POA, Jason Day averaging almost 86 points. DJ, 81. Uh, Paul Casey, 80. Harry Higson was one of them, played well. Doc Redman, Matty Kuchar, Brant Snedeker, and Nick Taylor rounds out the list there. Has some good ones on POA Greens. And then last but not least, course, our tournament history since 2015 at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Phil Mickelson has played four of the events, averaging 106 points. Jason Day's played five events, averaging 103. So Day really has played well in this event. Um, something to keep in mind there. Paul Casey's played well in the two times he's played. DJ, obviously. But Scott Stallings, he's averaging 91 DK points over three events here. Snedeker, Lucas Glover, obviously. Uh, Ted, Ted, oh, sorry. <clears throat> Ted Potter Jr. playing really well also. So lots of good stuff in that one when we check out some course history. All right, before I completely lose my voice from talking to you on this one, Let's get into the DraftKings scoring for it this week, Jesse. It's it's a bad field. I'm going to say it. 156 golfers, three rounds, top 60 in ties go into Sunday, and it's very, very top-heavy. You got DJ at 11-6, Cantley at 10-9, Casey at 10-5, Jason Day at 10-3, and Snedeker, Brant freaking Snedeker off his missed cut who ruined my only good lineup last week at 10-1. What do you like at 10-K and above? Um. Yeah, I didn't play any sneds last week. Thankfully, I almost did. I think I almost put them in a cash lineup, and I I never played last. Week. I never did, and it, any, I finally and it didn't matter. Um, so I only got four six in it, anyways. But uh, so for this week, uh, DJ obviously coming off a second place finish has past winter here has a couple of second place finishes, um, two straight top tens. So I mean, one top ten was a tournament champion, still counts, and then second place finish last. Uh, last week over in the uh, Middle East in the Saudi International. So I think he's fine. Cantlay uh, is interesting. He's never missed a cut here. Um, and when I say here, that includes – so he didn't play the Pro-Am last year, but he did play the U.S. Open where he finished 21st. And then as far as Pro-Am goes, 2018, 35th, 48th, and 17, 9th, and 2013. Um, playing really good golf. Hasn't missed a cut since the Players' Championship almost a year ago. So I think he's fine. I think I'm going to play a lot of Paul Casey. Good uh, boy. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's time to go back. Uh, so two straight top tens at the Pro-Am. He finished 21st at the U.S. Open uh, here last year. Uh, just steadily, you know, playing decent, good golf. Um, you know, I, I feel like more people will be on Brant and DJ and probably can't lay, and it might leave Paul Casey out because that's pretty – Big price typically for Paul Casey, who's not usually in the ten thousand range. He's more usually nine thousand, eight thousand dollar guy. So uh Paul Casey is is probably gonna be my dude this week. Uh, but I think like I said, can't land DJ are fine. Yeah, I like DJ quite a bit. I don't know if I'll pay that price. Like I say, every week it's hard for me to get 
all the way to the top, especially this week. I was already telling the Slack chat before we started that usually of late I've found like a, a good group of 6K guys I like. I covered 62 last week. There's been a lot of that. Not so much this week. It's it's rough unless something soon pops up, but it's it's very, very rough. But I do like DJ at 11.6. If you can get there, I'm on board with that. I like the KC call at 10.5. And then it's purely ownership-wise and, you know, past them in history, 4th, 2nd, 5th, 11th, 4th, 64th, 6th. Um, I don't think he's ever missed a cut here, to be honest with you. Jason Day at 10-3, if he's low-owned, can be very interesting. Coming off a 16th at the Farmers, plays very well in POA, plays very well at this tournament. I think Jason Day at 10-3 can be a very interesting low-owned play in this 10K and above range. It'll be a fun one to check fan chair as the week goes on in that respect. All right, 9K range. We got Cooch at 99, finished 16th last week, so it made that cash game worthwhile. Fitz at 97, Phil at 95. That's quite the price bump. Thank you, Saudi, and course history. Uh, Brandon Race at 93, Graham at 92, come off the W at the Saudi. Uh, Vic Hovland, 91, didn't play so well last week, folks. And Jordan Spieth at 9,000. You mentioned the fact how bad he's been. Watching him three-jacket on 16 was amazing. He was nine feet away off the tee, and then he, his first putt made him five feet away. Then he missed that putt. It was absolutely the most Jordan Spieth thing ever. But um, what do you like in the 9K range? I'm not a huge, huge, huge overly fan in this range. I think there's a couple angles to take with it, though. Brandon Grace, he I, I feel like he might be popular, him and Fitzpatrick, just due to kind of recent form type of deal. I'm not a huge Brandon Grace fan, but I think he's okay at 9,300. Um, he has made both the cuts. He's played the program here, and he's finished top 30 in both 28th and 20th the last two years. He did miss the cut at the U.S. Open, but that's totally a different story. So um, coming off a ninth-place finish, uh, does have a win this year at the South African Open on the Southern Tour, whatever. Um, be interesting to see how many people go back to Hovland. I was surprised he was so chalky last week because his form coming in has not been great, right? So, yep. miscut 23rd, miscut, miscut his last four events. Uh, and two of those have been on the PJ Tour, two of them have been on the European Tour. So, it will be, you know, interesting to see how many people actually go back to him. He did finish 12th here at the U.S. Open last year. He's never played the program. Um, so, for me, he's like a fan share type of dude. If he's going to be lower owned, I, I really like to play him. Uh, but if not, you know, again, I'll go back and try to bank on the missed cut. And then Jordan Spieth at 9,000. I mean, the course history is there. He has not missed a cut here since at least 2014. And just far back as my course History stuff here goes. He's coming off a missed cut, but before that, he had made a bunch of cuts in a row. Um, now, finishes haven't been great, but this will be a more comfortable spot for him than the uh, Phoenix Open. Uh, so I, I, I personally think Jordan Spieth is a fine GPP play myself. GPP I can get behind because as long as you know going into it the, the risks that you are taking because, I don't know, watching his putty, not just on that one hole, just seeing his overall stats – it was uh, pretty pretty eye-opening. Yeah, friendly environment. Loves playing out here. Uh, could be a nice GPP look for sure. For me, Kutra at 99, he, he's in play here. This is a, these courses suit him well, coming in in great form. Uh, the Kutra is in play at 99 for sure. And then I do like Grace at, in, at 93. Two two made cuts here, like you said, the last two years. A ninth last week and a 17th and a first. Coming in just great form. I'm not sure I like him if he's chalky, but even for cash game relevance, I think Brendan Grace – Give me a nice play at 33. 
So Cooch and Grace for me here. I think Graham's a, a, he's a you know he's a good play, but I don't know if he's ninety two hundred dollars good. That that makes me wonder. Vic Hovland, my concern with him is just the overall form hasn't been great. He has played well here, like you said, finished twelfth at the U.S. Open. He won the U.S. Am here, so he's finished uh, pretty well the last two times he's faced uh, played this course. But I don't think he's played the other two courses, Spyglass and Monterey. And more importantly, I don't know if he's ready for a seven-hour pro-am round. That's my biggest thing. You never know. Some guys just mold into it. You, there's a reason a lot of pros don't play this week. A lot of them. They just don't want to deal with it. Uh, it's a very mentally draining thing. So we'll see how that goes. He's a very talented player. If he went off in a field like this, no one would be shocked. So GPP-wise, sure. But for me, it's Kucher and Graves in the 9K range. 8K range, Daniel Berger, your boy, with a ninth place last week. Maybe he's getting that form back. You got Cam Champ at 88, Norm 87, Knox 86, Kiz 85, RCB at 84, Homa 83, Chez 82, Hadwin 81, and Kurt Kitayama is going to be an interesting discussion at 8,000. I love this range. I think in cash you can build an $8,000 lineup pretty fun for the most part. Uh, what do you like in this range? Yeah, there's plenty to like down here as far as like just cut some, makers, some some cut makers potentially, and maybe some guys who might contend. Berger coming off a really good week uh, last week, um, top ten. He he had a really good weekend, sixty six, sixty seven on the weekend to shoot up the leaderboard, four straight made cuts. Uh, he's only played here twice. So last year at the U.S. Open, finished forty ninth, and then the twenty fifteen version of the Pro Am where he finished tenth. Price is up there for him. He's been more of a $7,000 guy than a $8,000 guy. And the cinema way up to the top of the $8,000 range is odd to me, but the field kind of dictates that, I think, more than anything else. Cam Champ, I think, is fine. He did play the program here last year, finished 28th, uh, and he's just made a bunch of cuts in a row since his since the miscut after the win uh, back in the fall. So I think he's okay. Russell Knox had a pretty good weekend last or pretty good week last week, too. He's got some mixed results around here, 14th, 15th miscut the last three years. Um, and then going back even further, 27th, 28th miscut. So if you're a fan of uh, patterns, this would be the miscut year. But I, I think he's totally fine. I mean, he's made a bunch of cuts in a row since the Greenbrier when he missed his last cut back in the fall and come off a 16th place finish last week. Uh, Max Homan, man, he he played really well last week and, and would have finished even better if he – would have not hit a couple of balls in the water there toward the end. Um, still top 10. Two straight top 10s for him. The ninth and sixth in the last uh, yeah, two weeks. Farmers and, and the Phoenix Open. Um, finished 10th here last year. Be interesting to see how highly touted he is. And then uh, Adam Hadwin, uh, 18th and 39th. Uh, his last two appearances at the program here. And then, um, of course, uh, last week he made the cut, made a bunch of cuts in a row. I mean, nothing spectacular, but in this field at eight eighty one hundred, I would take my chances. And he's like probably going to be a cash game play at eighty one hundred for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Um, a lot of similar thoughts here. Alex Noren was playing great golf through a couple weeks off. I don't mind going back to him. He plays played very well at this tournament and very well on Pella. So Noren in eighty seven is a guy I like quite a bit this week. As he keeps kind of having his comeback uh, tour, it seems like. I love Rusty Knox this week. I know you, the, the the pattern makes sense, but the current form I'm a big fan of. And uh, two weeks ago at the American Express Pro-Am, he finished 21st. He can take advantage. He's a great, great short iron approach game player. So Rusty Knox at 86. Kisner, 
short courses. Love me some kids. 20, 26th, miscut 10th the last three years here. Uh, these are the kind of courses kids likes. So don't mind kids at all at 85. Max Homa was all over him last week in some GPP builds. I like the form he's got right now. Ride it while you can because he's going to be very streaky at times. But right now it's a very, very good streak to jump on. So I like some Max Homa as well. And then Hadwin, like you're saying, for cut making ability, for course history, um, you know, 40th last week on his first event back with the baby swag, uh, super friendly guy. Uh, he, was, he was chatting it up with people in between holes, which a lot of guys don't do in the real rounds. And I think he's going to he's gonna flourish in courses like this. And maybe getting one week under his belt, getting him back in form could be huge. So Hadwin in 81, I think is a very, very solid play as well. So a lot of same plays with you, but I think it's a great spot. All, the, all those guys I mentioned, not just your Homa is cash viable, but the rest of them I have no problem playing in cash. I'm a big fan of this 8K range, to say the least. Uh, 75 to 7,900, what are you looking at? Yeah, there's, uh, I think, plenty to like down here in this range, too. Um, I would say JB. The one thing about JB that scares me, he's missed the cut of the pebble three straight times he's played it, including two pro-ams. But first of all, I'm pissed off that I missed out on him last week, you know, having won the tournament in the past and then coming in with good form. I don't know how I just completely whiffed on that. And I kicked myself all weekend for it. Obviously didn't finish that great, but the one thing about him is he's been dealing with some tennis elbow. Um, and I believe Kevin and, uh, you know, this could have just been his speculation, but he was like, you know, he almost WD'd before he made the hole in one, um, on Thursday. So, I, I mean, I don't want to put any speculation out there that he he's a WD risk or anything like that, but he, they did say, and he has had tape. They said on the broadcast and he has had tape on his arm as far as tennis elbow goes. So he's been dealing with that and this would be his what third or fourth straight week playing. Mm -hmm. Um, something to think about for sure. Something to think about. Uh, but right below him, 7,900 Tom Hoagie, uh, 43rd here, uh, at, at the, um, at the U S open last year, two straight miscuts though at the program kind of odd, but I mean, he got out to a really good start last week, uh, was the Thursday morning leader before he got lapped by a few guys and he had just had some bad holes, uh, took a few doubles, um, really took him out of con- any kind of really good finish potential. So, but I'll, I'll go back to him again at 7,900 this week. Uh, Lucas Glover at 7,600, um, missed the cut the U.S. Open, but at the program, seventh and 11th in his last two starts. Now, last year was seventh, 2016 was 11th. Um, I think he's fine. And then Scott Stallings, man, it, it's kind of an odd deal, but the dude plays well around here, third, seventh, and 14th in his last three program appearances. Uh, so keep that in mind at 7,600. Yep. Some guys like the format. That's what maybe that's Hoagie's deal for the last two years. Doesn't like the pro am part, but now he's playing better golf. So maybe he'll be fine. But yeah, Stallings at seventy six can be quite interesting. I can't wait to see how chalky he is because I've already seen his name a lot of places, and that's gonna. I'm not playing a chalk Scott Stallings. It's just not no. happening. But but uh, course history does not lie. Like you're saying, he's he's made some cuts in a row at seventy six hundred bucks. No, I don't mind it at all. I'm with you there. Some guys I do like. Some guys that play well in the West Course and on Poa. Scott Piercy, tenth, twentieth, fifty fifth the last three years at the pro am. Finished sixth last week at uh, the Waste Management. He's been making just cut after cut after cut. So, Piercy at 78, I can get on board with. If you want course history, 
It's not flashy. He has not played in a while. But Jim Furyk has made six straight cuts here, including the seventh back in 2015. He's just one of those guys on short courses, can keep it in play and, and scratch it through. Not a GPP play because anything's possible. But I don't see Jim Furyk shooting like 17 under par to win. So I see him maybe, you know, getting through to the cut line for you. Not sure he can get you much farther. So cash only, if that, for Jim Furyk. I'd rather uh, Piercy at the same price. But both are quite intriguing. And then you mentioned Hoagie at 79. Got no problem going to him. I think Piercy's a fun one, as he seems to come in lower owned than most uh, these days. So I, I don't mind going back to Piercy again this week. Uh, 7,400 to 7,000. Who do you like there, Jesse? Uh, start with Nick Watney at 7,300. He did miss the cut here last year, but 47th, 14th, 2nd in three appearances at the program before that. Coming off a missed cut, the uh, Farmers Insurance Open, but uh, played well at the American Express, RSM Classic. He was okay. Uh, so he's kind of a, a hit or miss type of dude. Aaron Wise at 7,200. He missed the cut on the number. Cost me a 6-6 six six, six six last week. Uh, two straight made cuts at Pebble, 35th of the U.S. Open, 15th, 2018 version. Now, he's missed five straight cuts on tour. <laughs> so, you know, take that for what it is. He's a GPP dart only. Harry Higgs, man, I mean, come on. 7,200 for Harry Higgs. All in. Um, Did you, you know. see the Happy Gilmore? Well, of course, you did. I sent it to yeah. you and you sent it to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that. like, if someone doesn't like Harry Higgs, I appreciate you guys listening, but you might want to find another podcast. Like, <laughs> like this, this is, is the man into, of the show right here. This is going to turn into a Harry Higgs fanboy uh, podcast yeah. eventually. Um, he, he he did not hit the ball very well, but he made it up, you know, with the putter last week. So maybe he can kind of, you know, get the tee to, green game, tee to green game going a little bit better and, and then keep the putter hot because it was decently hot too at uh, – at, uh, the farmers um, and then 7,100 Matthew Neesmith. Um, you know, we talked about him for the farmers and he had a pretty good finish and then obviously did not play last week and has not played this golf tournament before, but uh, at 7,100, if you're going to keep, you know, these guys priced down here, I think they have some top 20 potential top 10, you know, upside to them. Um, they're corn fairy guys and, they're coming out here, you know, playing really well on the PJ Tour. So I'll keep playing them while they're priced down here. Especially in these birdie-making events. They're used to making birdies. Uh, for me down here, Andrew Landry, he hasn't played here since 2016, finished 70th. But coming in pretty good form, one at the American Express. I, I could see using him in a format like this once again. Uh, Patrick Rogers, miscut here last year, finished eighth the year before. It's kind of typical with Patrick Rogers, a lot of up or down with him. But he's coming in really hot. It's 16th last week, ninth the week before, 64, 38. So he's starting off the year very, very strong. With 74, I can go there. You're going to see Kevin Struman's name everywhere because he's a course history nut. Four straight cuts, 7th, 6th, 14th, 17th. Uh, missed the cut last week, 45th at the Farmers. So very up and down right now form. But coming in, course history-wise, Struman's phenomenal at 7400 bucks. I like me some Sun King. I'm very mad. Like he finished 52nd last week, thank goodness, because he started out on fire. And I was very mad because I kept telling myself, don't tinker, don't tinker, because I almost put Sun King in, and he was going low early. And then it, it kind of evened out, thank goodness. But 14th here last year, missed cut 17th, so good course history. 
at 73. He's got the, the course low at Monterey Peninsula, if that tells you anything about how easy the scoring can be from time to time. Uh, Matt McNeely missed the cut here two years ago, but coming in in great form. He knows Poa. He's a West Coast golfer from Stanford. Don't mind him at all at 73. You mentioned Higgs at 72. I love that. Neesmith at 71 I like as well, and a couple others. I don't mind going back to Hubbard at 7100 bucks. a guy that can make birdies in bunches. As we saw last week, he hasn't played here since 17, but he made two straight cuts, 62nd and a 26th in this tournament, coming off that ninth place last week. And then if you need another cheapie to try to avoid the 6K range at $7,000, Nick Taylor, 28th, miscut, 10th, 30th the last four years here. Um, I, don't, I don't mind using him at $7,000, but uh, I'm trying to stay out of the 6K range. So I have a feeling like Taylor, Neesmith, Hubbard, Higgs, I think I'll be ha- hanging out with those guys with my punts for the week for the most part. But lots of guys that can make birdies, like you said. A lot of good corny guys here that can make some things happen. Speaking of that 6K range, who are you liking down there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's more guys to like down this range. Brandon Wu, um, he's uh, – I believe he played at Cal, right? That you, sounds about right, yes. Uh, he did play the U.S. Open last year. He finished 35th. Um, and then played the Farmers this year and finished 55th. And it was actually in the lead at one point and had a Sunday 76 to fall way back. But he's a uh, very young guy who, who's been playing some pretty good golf. And again, West Coast guy knows Polo Greens, I'm sure. Uh, I'll go back to Sebastian Kaplan, even though he burnt me last, last week. Um, he missed the cut on the number. He's never played here, but at $6,700, I think he's, Worth a look, and then that's about it, dude. This 6K range is it's bad. It's bad. plenty of sketch <laughs> stuff going down yeah. here. Um, I mean, Michael Gellerman maybe uh, just decently rates out on, on the Fantasy Labs model. Ryan Bram. Uh, Ryan Bram was the one that kind of stood out if you want to get risky. But if you try to do course history or recent form, a lot of it's just sketchy as hell after 6,700. Like yeah, really bad. I mean, it's uh, it's a it. This field is, it's pretty weak. But yep, yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, some of the guys I'm looking at: JJ Spawn, sixty eight hundred bucks, missed both cuts here. Each time he's played, coming in with back to back made cuts though. He could be a potential punt. Zach Blair missed cut forty eight sixty the last three times he's played. Uh, coming in really good form though. Twenty first at the Farmers, fifty fifth, sixty third. Don't mind him on a short course like this. I think Zach Blair could actually play well here at 6,700. And then Doc Redman at 67. Be his first time playing here, but coming in uh, three straight made cuts, 34, 64th, 29th. He's another guy at $6,700 I can get behind, but it's uh, pretty sketched down here. Not a lot I want to be doing down low. I don't mind the Kaplan call either. Could see that playing out for you pretty nicely. All right, 10K and above recap. Jesse, who's your guy? Uh, Paul Casey. I'm going to go Jason Day. It feels dirty to say. I'm going Jason Day. Uh, 9K, give me a guy. Um, I mean, Brandon Grace is probably the dude, but Jordan Spieth. Okay, then I'll take Brandon Grace. If you're not going to, that's fine. Okay. Um, I'll take him. Uh, 8K range. This is loaded. Do you want two or three? Two. two. Let's just cap it at two, okay. man. We can't two. Be... Two. Who you got? Uh, Burger and then Hadwin. All right, I'll go Norin and Knox. I love this range. So 8K is going to be a good one. 7,500 and above, give me two. 
uh, Hogue and Glover. I'll go Piercy and Hogue. Seven seven K to seventy four hundred. Give me two. Higgs and Neesmith. Um, I will go with. I'll go with Patrick Rogers and Higgs as well. I guess if you took Higgs, I'll take uh, like Neesmith too. I'll take Hubbard, another one of the punts. Um, six six K range. Give me one guy. Uh, Kaplan. Kaplan. Um, I'll go Zach Blair. Zach Blair will be my dude down there. If you're building the GPP lineup, who are three guys you'd start your uh, lineup with? Um, I like Higgs and Neesmith for GPP lineups, and then you know for somebody, you know probably closer to the top, you know I, I think it's probably a DJ week. So yeah. there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm with you. My big three, and it'd probably end up with Higgs and Neesmith on this, but. DJ Berger Homa go with those three and get some punts after that. I think you super volatile players with big upside. Uh, three guys for a cash game starter. Um, Hadwin, I think is is cash viable. Knox is probably somebody who I would put in there too. Um, and then I mean Berger at this point maybe between Berger and Homa. It's funny because we don't take notes and, and share them beforehand, but I have Hadwin, Knox, and Kucher. So we we're almost dead on there, but Kucher just cash game. Lock them in for me for the most part if you need a for sure thing. Like I ended up not using them in mine last week just because overall build, but looking back, he did what we thought he'd do. So very good cash game play if, you can get, if it works out in your money uh, system because if it, it makes you – like I was talking to guys – if you're using a guy like Cooch or a high price guy makes you go to the 6K range, I'd rather not for cash. So uh, you have to be able to balance it out that way. All right. Who's your pick to win this week, Jesse, in this beautiful golf court tournament in Pebble Beach? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, this is like the worst part <laughs> of the week for me because I'm the worst at this. Uh, you're second, you're in second place with one and done. You're doing good. Yeah, but that's not picking. They haven't picked a winner yet, and uh, we did not do too hot last week with Ricky Fowler at, at, the, at his. Anyways, long story short, what kind of odds do you have on somebody like Max Homa or Russell Knox? Um, Max Homa. Uh, Max Homa is fifty-five to one. Russell Knox is forty-five to one. That's not terrible. Nope. I mean, Knox is probably due. I don't, has he ever even won a golf tournament ever? Not that I've seen, no. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he definitely hasn't won one the last couple of years. So he's not a big-time winner. And then, of course, Homa did win last year. So he he knows how to do it. But, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is a tough week not to pick DJ or Cantlay or somebody, you know, in that neighborhood. Like I, I like Norn at forty to one. I think there's some upside there. Brendan Grace at twenty eight has a little bit of appeal to me as well. If not, I like Jason Day at eighteen to one. But like you said, yeah, that's not bad on Day. Sucks. But I mean, the thing on Day is, I mean, fuck, he's just not played good golf, really. He's coming in in pretty good form. I mean, you know, it's okay. Sixteenth at the Farmers. Yeah, he took a lot of time off prior to that, though. You know, miscut at the Mayakoba and it hasn't really played. And he, you know, so at eighteen to one, though, I, I, I don't mind those odds for somebody like Jason Day in this field. Definitely. 
it will be interesting to see. It should be an interesting tournament to watch as the coverage sucks. Oh, dude. And uh, and shot shot tracker, you have one course, folks. Get used to it. It's gonna be a long, I guess it's seven hour rounds of trying to chase the invisible shot tracker. It's gonna be an absolute tilt fest. Final thoughts, Jesse. Um, I I, I don't have many. I'm I'm not a huge fan of cash this week because you do get three rounds out of everybody. So I mean, you don't get any WDs, but it's just a brutal week from watching it and having to deal with all the celebs and the shots of the ocean. And I mean, CBS didn't do a great job last week, so I don't really see them doing a great job this week, but we'll see when we'll watch it no matter what, because what the fuck else are we going to watch the XFL? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. No, I'll have, I'll have Pebble on. Don't worry about that. It might be (laughs) on my computer, but uh, I don't, this year for, I don't have any specific plans, but in the region I live in, Tickets pop up all the time, so I might end up out there eventually. But right now, nothing is set in stone. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. But, um, like after the waste management last week, I'm kind of not as excited as usual because I, I wasn't even kidding. That tournament was like one of the best fan experiences ever. It was it was awesome. Gotcha. So I, I got I highly recommend that to people. But I recommend going out to any tournament and check them out. The golf courses you ain't going to see much better golf courses than what the pros play. So go enjoy it and check it all out. But until next time, check out Jesse on Twitter. At DFS Golf Gods, I'm at BD Intrek. Podcast at Always Press DFS. Give us a rating review. We'd much appreciate it. But this was the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Preview of the 2020 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Catch you guys later.